We are glad to have you here with us today to worship with us today as we continue in our series in the book of Galatians, going through uh, passage by passage what it is that God wants us to learn about His grace and how we can live in grace and walk in grace and let His grace be a part of our lives and not be um, under bondage of slavery and a bondage to the rules and regulations and traditions that we impose upon ourselves, understand that God has freed us from everything. God has freed us from ourselves. God's freed us from our sins. And he wants us to live lives in victory in him, walking in his presence, letting the Holy Spirit reign and move in us. If you have your Bibles, we're in Galatians chapter 4 this morning, finishing up Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 1, we looked at it several weeks back. We looked at how God's laying out this, Paul's laying out this argument that we can't do anything to please God and ourselves. Remember in the church in Galatia, there was a group of Jews that had come in called the Judaizers that were basically telling the new Galatian believers, it's all fine and dandy that you believe in Jesus, but you've also got to be circumcised. You've also got to honor all these sacrifices. You've got to also honor all the festivals and all the dates of things. If you really want to be godly and spiritual, you've got to do all these things as well. If you really want God to be happy with you, that's what you've got to do. And Paul's laying out the argument. He says, you can't do anything to please God. It doesn't matter how many sacrifices you offer. It doesn't matter how many festivals you honor. It doesn't matter how many special dates you commemorate. You're a sinner, plain and simple. You can't get to God in your own ability, your own power. But then in chapter 2, he says, but do everything you can to make God happy with you, right? Do everything you can, do everything in your own power to let God be pleased with you in faith. He, said, he comes back and stresses this issue, issue of faith. says, yes, you can't do it in your own power. God is pleased with you by your faith and how much you are trusting in him through your faith. And then in chapter 3, we look at the story of Abraham. And Paul even admits there, he says, no, Abraham was seen by God as righteous because of his, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It wasn't because of anything he did. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham's looking around. His wife is barren. He's old. He has no kids. Uh, God, have you looked at us lately? God, have you really, really looked at me and seen me? Have you looked at my wife? We can't have kids. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham said, okay, I believe. And because he believed, because he put his faith in God, because he put his trust in God and began living it out, Bible says he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was that faith in God, that trust in God is what made him endeared to God. And then in chapter 4, as we're looking here, we talked last week about how Paul is talking to the Galatians here. He's getting a little more practical. He says, now we need to learn to walk in grace. And our prayer last week was, God, teach me to walk in your grace. Teach me what it means to walk in your grace. Let me learn to walk and let your Holy Spirit be such a part of me that I live and walk this grace-filled life when all around me is falling apart. The world sees you in me. Well, and I brought the story of our time in North Korea and we were working inside North Korea. We could not share our faith. I couldn't hand out a copy of God's Word to our, our guides and our escorts and those who were there. But we could live out our faith in such a way that the guards and the escorts and those who were around us, our employees in the North, they could see Christ in us, and that came out in conversations that we had 
very quietly in the corners in the dark rooms and we were all by ourselves it came out that they were watching us they were watching the relationship that regina and i had together that was very different from their relationship with their with their spouses and we had a chances to share and there's been people saved inside north korea not through us but through our, our counterparts who are living inside north korea reaching people for christ because of the way they live their lives every day, letting Christ work in and through them. Walking in that grace, walking in the Holy Spirit. So today, we talked about those are kind of the bookends of chapter 4. We're going to kind of go back this morning and look at the meat. Look at them, them fill in the middle part there. As we look at the, our, our next phrase is, God, help me to trust in your word. God, help me to trust in your word. It's hard to trust. It's hard to put our complete trust in God and His Word. We, we, read, we read the Word of God. We believe it. We say, God, I know this is what you said is true. I know this is what you said is val- true for my life. It's hard to put that into practice. Would you agree? Many times it's hard to put God's Word into practice. But he, Paul is setting out an argument here. He says, but we need to. We need to trust wholly in God's Word. He has everything in... He has our best interest in favor he wants what is best for us he laid out the principles for us to live our lives in a godly way that we are impacting community impacting culture and changing the lives of those around us because of his word and through his word and through our lives paul in his coming to galatia apparently he when he arrived there on the scene we're going to read here in just a second he arrived on the scene he had some kind of medical condition he had some kind of issue going on in his life, and he, it was really debilitating. We don't know. Some scholars, they, they kind of pass bat this back and forth. What was it really like? Was it something that was ugly? Was it something that, or was it just a cold, a flu? Was it, whatever it was, it was pretty debilitating, and he had to depend on the Galatian believers. And it says that they approached him with joy. They helped him out with joy. In spite of his, 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 his debilitating sickness, whatever it was, they came at him and said, we were going to joyfully lift you up or joyfully bring you into our midst and joyfully receive the message that you're going to bring to us. Look in verse, chapter, 12, verse, chapter 4, verse 12, rather. He says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. Remember, he's talking to believers who have begun turning their backs on the pure faith they had at first, and they're now beginning to apply the teachings of the Judaizers back into their lives. It says, I entreat you to become as I am, for I have also become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know that you know it was because of my bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. I was stuck here. I couldn't go anywhere. It's because God brought me to this area and I was stuck in this bodily ailment, whatever it was. Had me here, I then took the opportunity to preach the word of God to you. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God and as Christ Jesus. Whatever it was that was going on in Paul's life, as he preached to them, as he shared with them the truth of God's word, as he shared with them what it was that God had for them, they received it, they brought him into their midst, and they saw him as a gift of God. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become an enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, talking about the Judaizers, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out 
that you may make much of them. As we learn to trust God's word, see, trusting God's word lets us know that it helps us to live life, live our Christian walk when it's not easy. We would all admit living Christian walk, living our faith out in this world is not an easy thing. We go to work, we go to the store, get cut off by people every day, road rage people are out there, we got family issues, financial issues, body of Christ, community issues. Life is not easy. God never promised us it was going to be easy. He never promised us we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. He never made those promises to us. Life is not easy. If it was easy, it would be no fun. Some of you are going, I wish I had more fun. If life were purely easy, it would be no fun. We'd have nothing to look forward to. In heaven, everything is going to be taken care of, right? But trusting in God's word now helps us to enjoy life now, to live it out when it's not easy. Paul's trials, whatever this trial was that he was going through, remind us that we need God's help to completely trust in his word. God must help us live out our lives when it's not easy. You think it was easy on Paul being shipwrecked? I mean, you look in Corinthians and some of these other books where he lays out all these things that happened to him. I'm glad I'm not Paul. I'm glad I didn't have to worry about getting stoned. I'm glad I didn't have to worry about being shipwrecked. I'm glad I didn't have to worry about getting kicked in, run out of cities. I didn't have to worry about all the things he's had to go through. But he says, but yet I live in joy. If you read the book of Philippians, he said, we live a life of joy. The Christian life we live, we can live it in joy, not necessarily happy all the time, but we can have pure, unadulterated joy in our lives, knowing who it is that's called us. Here he's asking the Galatians to leave behind all those Jewish customs and rules, to leave behind what was familiar to them, and walk a different path, the true path. That's hard. Walk in that true path as we read the Word of God and we begin setting aside all these other customs, all these other things in our lives that we've embraced all through life and everything that culture wants us to embrace and throw out there. Living according to God's Word is hard, but it is rewarding in the end. Rewarding in the end. God never promised that we'd be able to just walk our way and live a life easy, and never have anything come against us. Our friends and family may turn against us when we don't follow their advice, their wishes. We had our, one of our workers at our restaurant in China. When she became a believer, she called back to her family to let, give, fill them in on the news. They were not happy. They lived down in, on the border of Hong Kong, and they said, Chun Yu, it's all fine and good that you go to the Bible study. It's all fine and good that you've been going to that school up there with the Christians at that school. But now it's time for you to come home. We've got a place for you in the Communist Party. We've got a job waiting for you down here. It's time for you to set that aside and come down and do your duty. And she said, Dad, I can't. This is real. I'm going to Germany. I'm going to go to Bible college. He says, don't call me again. And he, she would call down there every couple months. As soon as he would hear her voice, he'd just hang up. She'd call down again, he'd hear her voice and hang up. He refused to talk to her because she had rejected 
the communist system they were a part of, that she had received Christ as her Lord and Savior. And it's during those hard times that her faith was able to sustain her. It was during those hard times that her trust in God's Word and reading God's Word on a regular basis and making this a part of her education, making this a part of her life, was able to sustain her and get her through those hard times. Not that she didn't come to work depressed, not that she didn't come to work sometimes sad when she'd just gone off the phone and just gotten hung up on by her mom and dad. Life was not easy for her. It was not easy for many of our workers as they committed their lives to Christ and they had family and friends and others reject them. It's not easy for those our, our friends over there now who are having their churches torn down, destroyed because of their faith. It's not easy. We don't yet have that struggle in our lives and we hear we worry about Laws that may be passed that are going to restrict our rights from time to time. We don't have the Gestapo coming into our, our back door, arresting your pastor and your deacons and other leaders in our church and hauling them off to jail for months and years at a time. We don't have to worry about that yet. The time may come. For us, the tough life is different than it is other places. It's easy to follow a set of do's and don'ts. We have a friend. He got saved when he was in prison. He got caught doing some illegal stuff. Came out of the army with an addiction. Got caught, arrested, thrown in prison for a while. While he was in prison, he found Jesus. He came out of prison, and he is now living his life according to a set of do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. Because that's an easier way. Living a life of grace, letting the Holy Spirit move you and give you direction in every and every area of our lives is more difficult than just following a set of do's and don'ts. When you're young and you're a kid in your home and your parents say, be home at this hour, pick up your room, come to eat at this time, pick up your clothes, and you have the rules and regulations. We all hate those rules and regulations, right? But it's easy to live that way because we know exactly what is expected of us. As you grow up and you become an adult and all of a sudden you're on your own and you're no longer under your parents' roof and now you have to make those decisions for yourself and I know I want to pick up that room uh, I, but I really want to watch this game. I know I need to I look on the step on the scale. I know I need to lose weight but oh, that Oreo, it looks really good. We have those choices in our lives. The same goes in our Christian walk. As we, if we only lived our lives by a set of do's and don'ts, it is much easier than living our life in a way where we are walking in grace, letting the Holy Spirit work in us and through us and try to figure out what, is that, what it is that God wants us to do in each and every situation. And if we listen to His Holy Spirit, He will instruct us. In Matthew chapter 5-7, through 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching, He says, I know you've heard it said, but... This is what God meant. I know you've heard it said, these are the rules, but God said, God meant this. Living your life by a set of principles is harder than by a set of do's and don'ts and rules. In fact, I, I like to say that there's, if we spend all our time doing the do's in the Bible, you won't have time to don't do the don'ts. Pastor, there's so many do's and don'ts in the Bible. Yes, just concentrate on doing the do's. If you focus all your energy on doing the do's, you won't have time to don't do the don'ts. Did you get that? Do get that later. 
I would much rather spend my time letting God direct me and things I should be doing in my life. And if I focus all my energy there, I won't have time to not walk in that way. Conversion to Christianity in the first century was not easy. It's not easy in many countries today. Leaving behind the old covenant to embrace the new covenant seemed unnatural for these Jewish believers. This is what they were raised with. This is what they knew. This is all they understood. The sacrifices, the festivals, the, the dates, the rules, the regulations. Setting that aside and now living and walking by the Holy Spirit, letting Him reign in, our li- in their lives was difficult. But it brings so much more joy in the end. Walking by grace and faith is important. The theme here is when you live radically by grace, it will cost you. When you walk radically by grace, it will cost you. There will be folks who do not understand you. When you begin living a radical life where you committed everything to Jesus, where you say, I'm reading my Bible this many times, I'm getting involved in small groups, I'm getting involved in impacting my community and my neighbors and those who are in my job, those who are in my cubicle next door, and I'm getting engaged in people's lives intentionally, and you live your life radically committed to what God has called you to do, the world will not understand you. Your neighbors will not understand you. Your family will not understand you. And it may cause trouble. It may cost you a few friends in the here and now. It may cost you a promotion. It may cost you some peace across that back fence. But as we live our lives in such a way that the world sees Christ in us and we trust his word, we trust that God's word is true. And like Abraham, we say, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I believe you. In the end, God's blessings pour out. As we step up and call others to a deeper commitment, it may cause others to drift away and abandon us. Commitment does not come cheap. Trusting in God's word also helps us to hear it when it's not popular. To hear it when it's not popular. Paul was willing to tell the Galatians what they needed to hear, not necessarily what they wanted to hear. So many people, it's hard to tell people what they need to hear, isn't it? It is hard. We we have friends and family, and we're like, I can see the way you're struggling in your family. I see the way you're struggling in your personal life. I see the way you're struggling, whatever it is, and we, it's hard to tell people what they need to hear. Everybody wants to be, have their lifestyle, their belief system approved of by everyone else. It's hard to tell people what they need to hear. And yet Paul is here writing this to the, to the believers saying, why have you abandoned me? I mean, there in verse 16, he says, have I then become your enemy? Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? He's telling them something hard. He's just saying, you have embrace this philosophy you've embraced this belief system that is unbiblical you believed in christ that's all you needed and now you've embraced this idea of christ plus see paul's challenge for each of us is to speak words of truth under the direction of the holy spirit we all want to speak the truth right walk up to somebody and say you need this you need to know the truth you i'm going to tell you the truth but there are times we need to hold our tongues. Would you agree? (laughs) 
There are times when this needs to not come out of my mouth. If the Holy Spirit is leading you to shut up, shut up. If the Holy Spirit leads you to speak, speak. See, that's hard. There's not a rule that says, if this, then that. There's not a, a simple rule that says, if someone does this, then you tell them this. If someone says this, then you say this. There's not a hard and fast rule. That's why being led by the Holy Spirit is so important as a Christian. There are times I'm sure my wife wants to tell me lots of things, and she is so gracious in holding her tongue. Honey, put that Oreo down is what she wants to say a lot of times. And I know the truth. I know what I need to be doing. And I can look over, sometimes set it down. See, the Judaizers sounded like they truly care for the Galatians. We just want what's best for you. We just want you to turn and to have this complete truth that's there. But in fact, they didn't. They wanted them, they're putting the Galatians under further bondage. Paul was there trying to free them from the bondage by speaking truth into their life. See, speaking truth and grace is important to draw others into the proper relationship with the Father. As we walk, as we live, learning to speak truth and grace is vital. Let our, our conversation be so seasoned with the grace of God that as we communicate, as we talk to others, they sense the pureness of our heart, they sense our intentions, and let the Holy Spirit work in people's hearts to draw them into a deeper relationship with Christ. It's good to have zeal, like these Judaizers did. But we need to be zealous for the right things. David was called a man after God's own heart because he was zealous. He had a passion for the things of God. He had a passion for the same thing that God had a passion for. Not that David was perfect. And we could all admit, David was a very imperfect man. David was not somebody I want to necessarily model every area of my life after, but I look at this part of David's life where he was zealous for the things of God. He was passionate for the things that God was passionate about. He hurt for those things that God hurt for. And trusting in God helps to have a great passion for his purposes. I have a lot of passions in my life. I love golf. I love playing the drums and worshiping the Lord on the drums. I love standing up here and teaching the Word of God and getting in around somebody and discipling them and pouring into them. And of course, I love coffee. You all know that. I, I have some of these passions in my life. I couldn't put them all up here. I love my family. I love my wife. I love going out and seeing God's creation. I love walking through the mountains and seeing all that God has created there. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about what God is passionate about? Look in verse 18. Follow with me. Paul writes here, It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. He said, I wish I could be with you. I long to see you transformed. I long to see you formed into Christ. To see Christ formed more deeply into you. See, one of Paul's passions 
was to be conformed into the image of Christ personally. That's the word morphos in Greek. It means to be transformed like a ball of clay. Imagine a potter taking that big old lump of clay, throwing it down there, begins to mold it and shape it. That's us. He molds us and shapes us until he comes up with this nice pretty image sitting here on the front row. He takes what is ugly, he takes what is useless, a lump of clay, and he becomes the potter that morphs us and shapes us and conforms us into his image. You see, every single day, God is working in your heart, God is working in my heart, he's working in our church to mold us and shape us into his image. And none of us are there yet. I'm not there yet. Billy Graham wasn't there yet before he died. Think of the church leader, the world leader, the, the, the greatest Christian you can think of. They are not there. They're still being morphed. They're still being formed into the image of Christ. And Paul says here, one of my passions as a believer is to be conformed into the image of Christ so that when the world sees me, they don't see Paul. They see Christ. They don't see David. They don't see your pastor. They see Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.10 speaks of this purpose. It's talking about the suffering of the apostles. It says, why are they suffering? So that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. Paul says, why are we suffering? Why are you going through hardship? Why did Job have to go through all he went through? So that Christ could be formed in him. So that he might be morphed and changed and developed into the image of Christ. To the image of God. So the world might look at him and go, wow, that guy. He may not have it all together. But I see something in him. I see a spark in him. I see a spark in her. And I want to know a little bit more about that spark. Life may not be easy for that person, but there's a spark that draws men to the, all men to Christ. Are you being shaped? Are you being transformed? Are you allowing God to transform you? Or are you fighting the potter's wheel? It's hard to be changed. None of us like change. Change is difficult. Change is painful. Going from this lump of clay to a beautiful bowl or to a statue or to whatever it is that you think is this most beautiful thing, it is hard. It takes time and energy and effort. It is hard. The freedom Paul is talking about is Christ shaping us, molding us, changing us, and forming us into his image that we might be liberated to experience life in Him, for Him, through Him, by Him, and with Him. As we are changed day by day, minute by minute, we are learning to experience a grace, the grace-filled life so that we can be liberated from our past, liberated from that old man who still is clinging on, speaking words of lies into our head. We are being shaped. See, my prayer for our church, my prayer for each and every one of you, is that today you would allow Christ to continue to mold and shape you, that you would be formed into his image, 
not into your image of him, but you would be shaped and morphed into his image as we move forward. The other passion Paul has here, lastly, is to see others transformed for the glory of Christ. If that is our purpose, is to glorify God in everything, if our purpose is to let our church glorify God, our purpose is for me personally to glorify God and let Him be lifted up and exalted in everything I do, everything I say and everywhere I go, I want to see this church, I want to see our church body, I want to see you and others around us, our community, be transformed for the glory of Christ. So that God gets the glory through all the efforts that we do. As Christ is formed in us through his word, our proclamation of his love, his grace, and his mercy are also transformed. Look in verse 19. What is it that Paul says there in verse 19? He says, My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth. Why? Until Christ is formed in you. He's agonizing over the, this church. He's agonizing over these Gentiles, these, these Galatians rather, because they're now giving up this freedom they found in Christ and they're now adopting these old Jewish customs and beliefs again and trying to syncretically bring them together. And Paul's saying, I'm agonizing for you because you're now losing your form. You're losing what Christ was developing in you. Set those things aside and let Christ come in and be formed in you in his image. He's agonizing over them, desiring personal transformation in their lives. Change for the glory of Christ. See, we call ourselves followers of Jesus, don't we? But we're not followers just for the sake of being followers. We're not following Jesus just for what we can get out of it. We follow Jesus and we're called Christians because of what... So his name can be lifted up. So we might bring glory and honor to him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about our church. It's not about our ministries. It's not about the missionaries we serve over, that we support overseas and serve over them. It's so that God himself might get the glory through us. Galatia and our church ought to be the ought to be a community that weeps together, pleads together, confronts each other, and when necessary prays for each other and exhorts one another. That's the image of Christ in us. As we come together, we worship together, we cry for with one another for the when those who are sick, those who are weeping. We rejoice together with those who are rejoicing. We exhort one another to step forward in our faith, to grow together, not just seeking our own. We do this because we desire to see each other transformed into the image of Christ. Not what our culture says we should look like, but what the Word of God says we should look like. That's why we come together on Sunday mornings in Bible study and in worship. That's why we get together during the midweek in our small groups. That's why we get together for community activities and for potlucks and for home groups and, and all different things we do together. It's not so we can just get together and spend time, but so that we can encourage one another to be transformed into the image of Christ. For his glory. So his name might be lifted up. And let's not be satisfied until each and every one of us is transformed into that. Each and every one of us looks like Christ. 
We need to work hard. Work hard to let Christ be shown in us.